0: I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome, welcome. I am here with Jessica and Amy. Jessica, Glen who have a an ad agency and they do paid media um, called Flairist and specifically they work with uh, women-led businesses and I had the privilege of talking probably months ago just about my ads and what to do and I was like dang these chicks know their shit like I was super impressed they were asking me all these questions that I couldn't answer Um, and so I knew like when when I can't answer those questions it's a good sign so what I want to kind of explore because you guys have all this knowledge on the world of paid advertising, and if you're listening right now and you're a financial advisor and you're thinking like I never thought about doing paid advertising, or I have compliance issues and I'm not thinking I should do paid advertising, and what you know why should I even think about that because compliance is just going to get on my ass about it. So I'm going to say listen up because what you can learn from these ladies is invaluable from their perspective and how we can use just the the idea of paid advertising without even having to pay for advertising and use organic social media even if you have strict compliance. So um, tell me a little about how you guys kind of came together with your business and hopefully my face won't be frozen like that forever.
1: Well, first off, thanks so much for having us, Robin. We're excited to be here. We are Jess and Amy. Our business is Flairist and we are paid social media ad experts. Um, We came together actually just through meeting at a conference. Um, We both had our own businesses and we wanted to work together. We're both mothers and trying to figure out how to navigate motherhood. And business and work, we didn't want to be alone anymore in our businesses. So we came together and um, we realized that instead of being a marketing agency for all types of businesses, offering all types of services in digital marketing, um, it made the most sense from a business perspective to, to micro niche down into offering one type of service and getting really good at that which is kind of how we evolved into running um, paid social media advertising to help women-led product-based businesses scale online. I think actually that's like
0: the greatest area of focus too, because so many women, financial advisors, you know, they're kind of taught to work with everybody or work yep. with the high net worth and, yep. you know, like as if that's like a small niche or something, high net worth right. clients, you know, like they're all the same. Um, and so it feels risky to, to do that, you know, so Very, for sure. And, and, for me as well, like going from like people always say, oh, why don't you just work with financial advisors? That's already a small niche. Why right, women? Right. And I'm like, because I want to help women right, and I right. want to work with women. And just like you guys, I'm a mom. I have a young kids. You know, um, I, I was telling you before we started recording, I just went, I had an overnight flight. I was just in the pool with my yep. kids because I don't have a nanny exactly. right now. And it's like you're dealing with all this stuff. but. I know women, and I know what they need and I want to work with women. I want to, and I have a big mission around it. So I'm, I'm congruent, but I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people like, why not just work with men too? Um, so how do you get around that? Because one of the, I think objections are going to have listening is like, I don't know who, who to niche, how to niche. And I don't want to pigeonhole myself and oh. I, I don't want to miss out, you know, because then people won't want to work with me. And I think it's the opposite. And I'm sure you guys have, um, kind of view on that as well.
2: Sure. So, um, we probably have different takes on this, but I would say that, um, the way that we niche down, I don't know that it was super, um, intentional right in the beginning. Cause we're like, Oh, this is fun. This is cool. We absolutely hate that. So we're not going right. to do that anymore. So we're not going to seek that out. But then some of them have been more nuanced, like Ooh, we don't want to work with people that scream at us over the phone. You know, those yeah. are simple things. But then when we started noticing like, Hey, we're really into, again, what Jess said: social media advertising for um, product-based businesses on the internet, like getting more and more focused in on that. And again, not just who they are, but like what their analytics are, what is their revenue at? What type of team do they have? What's their website like? What what are their um what are their beliefs in right. like like their business beliefs and um what kind of people are they? Are they do are they team people? Are they um rude people? All those things. So it I started off less intentionally I've been like Well, I I work
0: with more rude people. I'm stoked. And the ones that yell at me over the phone, like that's the ones I seek out. So my ads are like, if you're rude and you want to yell at me on the phone, then definitely buy my (laughs) shit. That's what I do all the time. That's awesome. We wanted to
1: avoid that. It didn't (laughs) feel good. We kind of. I feel like that
0: might attract like the right people because they're like, oh, she's probably being sarcastic. Like,
1: you know, but it kind of just went down. Like Amy said, it wasn't necessarily something we sought out. We just kind of followed the signs. Um the energy was. To, yeah. We like built the business, our business around what felt right and what didn't feel right. So every time, like, um, we like to look at business as a learning experience, everything we look at as a learning experience, good, bad, or ugly. Why did we learn from this? What did we like? What did we not like? And it kind of like moved us down the path, down the path, down the path, but ultimately, um, It's been a rewarding process because when we have been able to micro niche down, the it's fun. The people we work with, our clients, we work with. It's it's incredibly enjoyable um, because of that. So I think following the signs and kind of having that growth mindset of looking at um, what am I learning from this and what do I like and not like, and then building your business ultimately around that um, is kind of a great mindset or thought process. Because I I think niching down is. Uh, I just think overall, like it's terrifying, right. Um, to jump off the cliff and not serve everybody. That's totally scary, but it's ultimately, I think the most rewarding just emotionally and financially.
2: And also what it allowed us to do though, is like, we know our shit from top to bottom and backwards and inside out. Um, and with the changes that are constantly happening with this, we we don't feel stretched. We don't feel as though we're missing out. We can focus in on what we do. And then the other stuff that is outside of those things, we can definitely talk to you about, and we can, we can be like, Hey, um, this is something you need to be considering. Here's something you need to go look at, but we are just really, really good at what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, which then of course benefits our clients. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. and I
0: will vouch for that just from our experience, you know, my experience with having that conversation. It's like what I loved about you guys when we first had that that initial chat was that one, you knew your stuff, um, but also you stood in your value. You're like, this is what we're good at. This is what we charge, you know, like and and that's like you guys aren't, you know, the cheapest on the planet. And I love it because you're standing in your value. And so many women will, um, you know, Let's say lower their prices or lower their fees. And I think oh, not every financial advisor can even charge fees. You know, some charge for financial sure. plans. But 90, probably 5% of the women I talk to who charge for financial plans are undercharging. Like, and they mm-hmm. know it too. They're like, oh my gosh, I just, I was just talking to a woman the other day who is at an independent firm. She was charging $1,500 for a plan. And and she's like, and I do this and I do this and I do this. And I was like, are you getting paid like $20 an hour by that right. You know, Like it comes down to, cause she's just delivering like way over delivering. And I'm like, I know they don't value it. And you don't even half the time, don't tell them all the things you're gonna do. right? And it's like, she's just, she knows she's not fully standing in her value. And you guys are like, we know what we're good at,
2: and we're freaking good at it. Not good at it. Well, we're you phenomenal. should know that came with a lot of time like of five undercharging. Of under, yeah, it took us <laughs> because we would again, like be like, practiced. okay, we can do if, this. If and I then only then we would look at the numbers, right? And be like, this Just is not good. Practice, practice. Not good.
1: So definitely every, evolution. Every yeah. time we've done anything, it's like a new iteration. Like we knew, you know. Um, and I think that's, I heard on TikTok yesterday, somebody got some good business advice from their dad once that is like, if you're not slightly embarrassed by the amount that you're charging or pitching, you're underbidding yourself. Like if it doesn't terrify you a touch, yeah, you're undercharging.
0: And I think that's just a good rule of thumb in general. Like you said, it's terrifying to niche. Like that's mm-hmm. a good sign. Like if it scares you, do it. Um, it's actually so awesome. I, I my son is four and a half, and the other day I forget what he was scared of, but he's like, I'm scared and. I think it was, he had a little bit of an eye infection. Mm-hmm. And so we were putting colloidal silver in there because yep. we like to use like, you know, kind of healthier things. And um, he really didn't want to do it. And he's like, I'm scared, but that means I should do it. And I'm like, yes, yeah, like, I indoctrinated that. Like, I was so proud of him. Like, because he 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 was like embracing it and he really didn't want to do it. But he's like, OK, you know, put it And That's like one of the scariest things, like open your eye and have right. something drop in your right. eye four For years sure. old, let alone at, at you know, in, in my very early forties or mid forties. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, so I was, I was happy with that, but I think that's like, like one of the like biggest, I would say indicators of success for my clients, these women in financial services is that they're willing to do things that scare them, which is yes. unfortunately not a lot, you know, and, and they're already going into this industry where there's all, you know, mostly men yeah. you're already climbing uphill. It's already difficult. So they're willing to embrace that and, and to take on that challenge. But sometimes it's, there's so much fear and it's it's like maybe it's just because the buildup of all that fear, you know, that's that's just like it, it, it just keeps keeps on growing. But the ones who have the most success are always the ones that are are willing to step outside their comfort zone and take the biggest risk. How, how long have you guys been in business together? And I, I know you have, uh, you know, a sizable seven figure business, right? How long yep. did it take for you to get there?
1: Uh, we've been together for like four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um And it was about three and a half years ago when we really nailed down, we decided together to jump off the cliff and only do scale product-based businesses through social media ads. Um, And then we started, the next step was uh, building out the team and then starting to scale out our own services and really optimize everything. Um, And now we've got a pretty decent sized team. We have about 10 people um, that work together, but we're all pretty, everybody's a mom. Um, so our full-time schedules are when our kids are at school. I mean, now it's summer. So everybody's kids are home. Um, but we've done that on purpose. So like full-time is anywhere between, it's not 40 hours. It's less than that. It depends on your schedule. Cause we also wanted to create financial opportunity for women to, um, Significantly impact their own families in a fun and creative way that also supports, you know, oftentimes being the primary parent, somebody's got to go pick and drop off the kids or deal with what they're sick, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So it's taken several years, uh, but it's been worth it. It's been a journey but it's been worth it. We just keep, you've been in business for
0: four and a half years. And I already know you have a seven figure business and it's taken several years just to do the math for all of those of you listening. Well, and
2: I want to correct her just a little bit. We had, um, it was close to seven figures when we were doing a lot of BS stuff. That wasn't what we did, but then we have like flipped it. So like most of our income, we have a couple other things that we do a little bit of work for other, you know, things that are long-term, long-term clients, that kind of thing that we've been getting out of, but we have been able to flip where the majority of our income comes from. And it comes from our niche, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like majority of our stuff comes from our niche. And that has happened in, in the three years. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's impressive. That's impressive. And What's crazy is that, I mean, you guys kind of have a recurring revenue model, I would imagine, like yes. similar to financial advisors. That's yes. one thing you do have in common because once yes. you get a client, they stick, right? I mean, and you we do like that. Deal. Well, that's our we goal. Like that. our,
2: our goal is long term relationship, you know, sustainability. sustainability it's right. Not even, I mean, yes, the money's great, yeah. but a lot of it is our heart because we, We really get attached to these businesses and the people that run them. And so we aren't in there to get rich quick. We are, we are there to invest in a long-term relationship with them so that, I mean, we're going to help them in this, but we get to watch them grow, um, which which is just, that's the same thing
1: in financial, right? I would be emotionally attached to somebody's, oh yeah,
2: yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, any, most financial advisors, they get a client, they never leave. I mean, the, exactly. Really so, so what would you say are some things that allow you to keep them? Like I, I've heard some financial advisors call it sticky. Like we, you know, the clients are mm-hmm. sticky. And, and one of my clients who said that she said, you know, she, that happened because she was more niched and she was specifically, t- huh? you know, no, no, knew who she was targeting and then she gets them. She understands. Um, but also, I mean, I know from, again, from the time we chatted, like you definitely have a process and you really want to understand and, and uh-huh. like, I I mean, we weren't the right fit. Like I don't have a product-based business. And so you were still so willing to provide value. And so much of what I teach these financial advisors is like, you know, it's a discovery of a match, right? We're just trying to discover if there's a match and it's not always a match. And if it's not a match, there's still value there. And what you, you, you both did very well was like, you gave me a ton of value. You're like, I'm unattached to whether or not we work together. And here, you know, we still spent an hour and you're like, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And I, I I think women are like that, but to a fault sometimes in Um, the finance industry In Mm -hmm. in general, but it's like, you guys did a good job. I think holding your value, like I said, still providing value, but also, you know, trying to see, is there some sort of fit? Can we help you in some way, even if it's not a long-term solution? So what other, I mean, you can add to that or just tell me what other things do you do really gets clients sticky?
1: I think um, you hit the nail on the head providing value instead of looking at something as a pitch. So, um, and this is not against like old school marketing or methodology or the way men and women think differently. But something that we have learned through time is traditionally you're looking at leads and contacts as somebody that's it's a linear process. Right. And you're going in and then you pitch them your services. I can offer you this. I can do this. This is how much I charge. This is what I can do for you. Right. And hopefully somebody converts another right customer. Um, but some couple things that we have learned along the way is um, that kind of mindset and that linear thinking of here's what I can offer you doesn't really get you as far as the asking questions, listening, and always trying to provide value, no matter what. Um, and we put limits on that. We, you know, we don't talk to every single person that doesn't meet certain thresholds or qualifications. A lot of that is based on, you know, just revenue, simply revenue out of the gate. And maybe it's not the right fit, but we don't look at everything to be super linear. And then we we're looking at a like, we, we call it a customer centric mindset, but I think it's the same thing in client-based services um, that you offer and thinking of it from a client um, standpoint and really getting down to what is their like emotional need what is their figuring out to ask the right questions about what their need is? And ultimately, your services can match that. But you can cater your language and how you're communicating and adding value based on when you really have a clear understanding of what their needs are first and coming at it at, the, at that customer-centric, client-centric mindset first. And then, like I said, instead of something we've moved away from, instead of looking at everything like we've got to pitch ourselves we really look at everything as like, literally, how can I, I'll I'll be an open book. What kind of value can I provide for you? I'll tell you everything I know that could potentially help your business. And that goes a long way too, of just like having good connections and good relationships that then ultimately lead to something else. Um, But I think going back to that concept of like thinking of it values wise, as opposed to pitching, not looking at everything so like linear that A leads to B immediately. And I love to talk obviously, and I've had to learn this and I'm still not great at it, but like asking the right questions and listening before then you are like, well, this is what I can do. I think that's-
2: I I would say that for um, like what Jess was saying that customer centric, because you as the business owner when you're building your business, you are really focused on what you can do, what you can offer, what that costs, what that means for manpower. All of that's super great. And you do have to understand that. And you have to know that and have that in your back pocket. However, when you're meeting with clients, potential people, Mm -hmm. your job is not to think about what you are doing, but rather how it is for them. Mm -hmm. So instead of going, this is all I can do, this is what I can do for this amount of money, be ever curious and asking Mm -hmm. them, what do you need? What do you need? What are you looking for? And that has helped us not only get clients, but to better serve the clients that we have. So that's why we are able to have long term relationships with people, because we continue to serve them in the way that works for them. It's still within what Uh feels good for us as well. But again, like little tweaks like, hey, can we, um, you know, information um, prepared this way so that we can look at it this way together. Um, or like, you know, talking to this person on their team, just to have that connection, that kind of thing, because the more questions you ask, the more understanding you have for that client and what everyone, and this is just, this is marketing. This is advertising. This is relationships. What people want is that feeling a good feeling of feeling seen, understood and supported. Yep. And if you can do that, that's really the key. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I think you nailed
0: it. Both of you. I mean, that's, that happens. Like, like you said, Jess, just, I mean, I talk a lot and I I mean, sometimes I just, I I can, I can already, before they say it, like I know the problem and it's so tempting to just be like, I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. And sometimes in my coaching calls, like, because I have 25 women there, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, Pause. Like I know you're going to say, you know, like I have to kind of do that at that stage. But um, I think a lot of uh, women in the industry, it's like we assume the problem. And I I once heard Keith Cunningham. I don't know if you guys know him, but um, Keith Cunningham say um, stop solving the problem that isn't and stop start solving the problem that is very good.
1: Very yeah, because it's like we, we,
0: we start solving, you know, and it's like there are common problems. And the more, you know, your niche, the more you understand, like who you're targeting, the more you can anticipate those problems. But regardless, even if you know, you have to let them talk and say it in their own way, because like you said, both of you, yes. like the emotional component. It's like I might want, for example, for for uh, for financial advisors, I might want financial freedom. But as Bill Backreck will say, financial freedom means different things to different people. Yes. What does that mean to you? What does that look like? And when I'm teaching sales and teaching interview strategies, I'm like it's like, what do they want that they don't already have or what they don't expect to have? And you've got to keep going like they they want security. Okay. But what is that? What does that right. look like? Paint the picture and asking questions more than talking. And, and what the financial industry is teaching them is fact finding, which is like, how much you have in your 401k? How much exactly. insurance do you have? How much, those aren't the questions we're talking about. That's not an emotional, like that's not an emotional thing. It's like, what are the questions that you really understand, like want to ask in order to understand what are their needs? What are their desires? What are their fears? What do they want? You know, what's holding them back, all those things. And mm-hmm. the traditional sales process doesn't teach that like, no. and well, I hate to say sales because it freaks them out, but it's just like a discovery of a match.
2: Well, and yeah, I was right. going to say too, that like, um, you know, one of the things that we have noticed with client acquisition is that everybody has agency trauma. And I'm sure that there is probably financial advisor trauma that everyone has experienced yes, where totally. someone's been awful or someone has said something and then they haven't followed through. The thing is, is that those people end up getting treated the same, like by that, by that company, by the agency, by that financial advisor, and they're not treated as individuals. And that's what businesses, clients, customers want to be treated as, as an individual. So that is why it's super important that even if you, it's going to be the very similar um You know, program that you're gonna lay out, all those things, you need to hear what they have to say and reflect it back to them, even if it's gonna be so similar to what everybody else is doing, Mm -hmm. you are hitting the points that are important to them and treating them as an individual, unique person. Because when they start feeling like you're treating me like everyone else, that's where they're like, No, I'm not like everybody else. My my things, myself, my life, my business is different from everybody else. And and they want to be treated like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't mean you don't have a system. Like you use your system, but for it's sure. like, yeah, within the framework of like what they actually want, what's important to them. And like that's that's so huge. Um, let's just uh switch gears for a second. Um, just around I know we talked about before, just just I just want to touch on this based on what you're seeing with the all the privacy laws changing and all this stuff. And I know those of you listening if you don't do paid advertising, which I'm sure most of you don't, like you might see on your phone when there's like if you have an Apple the iOS, it basically says, do you want us to share data? And most people are like, no, thanks. Like, don't share the data. Right. Because I want the privacy. Like, I don't want people you don't even know what you're saying. You're just like, no, I better say no. Like anything like that that pops up, like, it's like I don't understand it. So I'm just going to say no, which means it's um, you know, I'm going to explain it in layman terms. So I know they understand. Yep. But um, which means that it's For advertising purposes, it's harder to get to find the right people and all that. So without going too much in the weeds on that, um, just can you just from your perspective, uh, you called it zero data or whatever, but they don't know what that means. But just as far as why it's important to build their list, because it's not something they think about. It's not something they're taught in the financial industry. But It's funny because even if you go networking as a financial advisor, you know that if you keep going networking in the same place for three years, eventually someone comes around and it's kind of like online networking, right? If you keep, you know, you you, you talk to someone today or get that lead today, maybe three years from now, they're going to be ready to convert. So what is it something they can do, um, assuming they have some compliance issues or whatever, to start getting recognized on social media and to start capturing those leads so that someday when they're ready to convert, Mm -hmm. they're they're there in front of their faces?
1: So- Think about it as where where are your people spending their time? So first off, like figuring out exactly who you're going after. Don't go after everybody. Find the right one or two or three avatars of the exact right type of person. Include, yes, all the data about their numbers and their revenue, their own wealth and all that stuff that you want. But then the types of people that you're going after, right? Not just women. What type of woman? What type of, you know, going into that and where do those people spend time? So previous to the internet, we were, what were our options of where we were spending time? Like in our cars, in a bus, like transportation, and then like networking, in-person networking, which is still fantastic. But we spend a lot of our time on the internet. We spend our free time on the internet whether we're shopping, whether we're using social media, we're learning on TikTok, we wanna engage with content that's interesting and fun. So your people that you want to reach, even as a financial advisor, are spending time on the internet. So figuring out where they're at, and then the, and there's there's legislation coming down the pipeline, the uh, commerce committee, Congress, one of the commerce committees, um, just push through a bipartisan law that would make it so that what you're mentioning with the app on with iOS that you opt out, that would make it completely illegal, that that's not even going to have to be an option, that everybody would be opted out no matter what. So because of that, from a business standpoint, when you think about marketing and who you're marketing to and who you're generating leads for, you have to like make your own little island. You have to think of it as making your own, instead of trying to go out in the world and find one or two people. You have to think about it as you have to generate your own little population of people that are interested in you and learning from you. And they're at different stages. Maybe they're just learning more about finances. They want to, that's their goal this year. They want to just learn, become more financially literate. Maybe they are making more income and they want to learn more about saving. They, maybe they're farther down the road and they are ready to the point where they have enough You know, wealth that they're looking for somebody to help manage that. Okay. But they're going to be in all different levels. And in order, you have to make your own little island of people that then you are showcasing your knowledge and skills to. So, gone are the days, and continually, as moving forward, are gone are the days of being able to just say who you are. And then somebody's going to say, Yes, I need you. And that is because of privacy and because of all these laws and different things like that. So, regardless, Running ads or not, if you need lead generation, you need to have people that you market to and you have to first create that group of people that are interested in you. And the way that you do that is you find them and figure out where they are at online. And then you need to capture their attention somehow. Whether you are creating content via social media, one of our favorite, um, we follow a lot of women in finance online. One of our favorite financial guru specifically for women is this um, woman, I think she's 28. Her name is Tori Dunlap. Her brand is called First 100K. She's on TikTok. She's on Instagram. She's about to launch her first book called um, Financial Feminist. Watching her develop, her podcast is number one above Dave Ramsey. She is amazing. Wow. she's built this entire community of women that want to learn more about finances and become financially literate via TikTok which sounds crazy. And she's not a financial advisor. She's not a wealth manager or any, but like, she's done it through education online and speaking to real, the real types of women she wants to help them understand their finances, getting out of debt, understanding, you know, if like all the the things that go into it. Um, and so you have to figure that out, whether that's content on social media, like TikTok, like LinkedIn, like, um, Facebook, running a group, running an Instagram, right? Or one of the best things you can do is build a list. You offer somebody something for, in exchange for their information. This is called a lead magnet or an opt-in, but it could be like, you know, your budget survival guide for 2022, or I'm making this totally up, like, you know, six things you need to know about the potential upcoming recession. Or, you know, 10 tips about whatever, uh, uh, real estate in the upcoming market and the, you know, whatever. And you speak to those people and you grow that list and you speak to those people and you grow that engagement because those people are ultimately going to be your leads that then ultimately convert into a client at some point in time. So you've got to create your own island of people. And there's several ways to do it. And you might do a couple of them because you're trying to create as much of your own little ecosystem, right? To then those people are different stages and then they ultimately become a client down the road. That is the key to marketing now and in the future in this privacy conscious world that we're living in. And I think just
2: moving forward online in general. So the short bit of that is ownership. Instead of relying on data that you don't own, that was, what happened, that was what was available before the privacy update, you now need to be collecting your own data. And you do that through social media, through email lists, because the thing is, is when you do that, when you're creating your own data, um, they can't take it away. So a list that you would build for yourself of email addresses of people, no matter where they are in your sales funnel, if you have those and you have them collected, they're yours. If it's um, buyers information that you can then use for audiences for if you decide to run ads at some point, if you've collected that in your own CRM then you you own that. So you're looking to create data and, and collect data that you can own rather than leaning on what was available over a year ago.
0: Yeah. And just to decode that, for those of you who don't speak, even data, like, because truly like some some people listening like when I was a financial advisor like I didn't do any ads like w- I don't know what data would mean like I would go networking and like that's how I'd get people where I'd, I'd try to build a relationship with a center of influence like an attorney or something and hope that they give me leads yeah or basically referrals mm-hmm. you know um but I mean I think most people understand now like there's you know the data. The idea of data is more like if you're going to run a finance um, an ad on Facebook, you can you can say I want the people who are interested in X, Y, and Z. Like I want the people who are interested in financial planning or something like that. You know that's right. data that they've collected that they're sharing. Right. So just so they understand. But I think that the, there's two main points that I heard that I think are really important. One of course is build a list, um, and two is uh, kind of that goes along with that is is create content because jess you said create content like it's no big deal because you're in the digital marketing world sure. and everyone's creating I content totally but financial advisors are buying typically they spend a little bit of money or invest a little bit of money for a marketing company and they're sending out emails that are all about the market and like totally not branded and maybe it's white labeled but it's basically like you know, all about, it's nothing about them. Like people want emotional stories. They want you to tell them how, you know, like, like I just you know, went flew to San Diego for an, one day to to spend with Lisa Sassovich, you guys might know her um, for a day to work on my business and flew back, you know, and uh, the amount of challenges I had with the flights, like it, it could take it take another hour to tell you but, and then I made it back home and here I am on a podcast. Right. And if I go into details and I had a lesson there, which not necessarily like, I don't necessarily have that right now because I'm trying to be quick so we can end this thing. But like, if I went, I would figure out what's the lesson, you know? And one of the lessons I would say is like, say positive. You know, I wasn't the jerk that went up there and said, you screwed me over, like, give me a free, like, but I was like, but I also stood in my value, like you guys. And I'm like, Hey, you know, you need to get me on a flight tonight. Like, let's figure it out. You know, because last night this woman was like, yeah, we're all oversold. And like, they didn't, they they basically like canceled my flight. And I'm like, dude, okay. But anyway, so I, I, but I think that's this kind of stuff that that's going to hit the inbox. I wrote an email once that was called wipe the fricking toilet seat because I've gotten a, you know, women's bat woman's bathroom and like, there's a pee on the seat. And I'm like, seriously, you know? And, and again, it was similar, like, in just regards to like, I can be pissed about it or I can, you know, make light of it. And I don't I can't let those things ruin my day. It could be a mindset thing, but we have to share those experiences because it's entertaining. It's interesting and it's not just, oh, here's another update on the market and the recession and this and that, you know, and like you said, 10 steps or 10 mistakes or five things like that's interesting because we need to know how is it relevant to me? And so many financial advisors are just using Third-party yes. data, but just third-party marketing right. is right. not even interesting to most people, especially their target market.
2: Well, right, because because like the information that you're like the content that Jess is talking about too, and this can be for email or for social media. Again, needs to be customer centric. It can't be about. You know, again, if it's just sales figures for what's going to happen, that's not super relevant, especially to me who has a hard time reading a spreadsheet. You know, I need it to be in information. And this is what people are really loving right now is segmentation of information. They want a personalized experience on literally everything from, you know, your Instagram feed, you're following who you want. LinkedIn people, those are people that, you know, even our advertising. We are focused on a certain avatar of people. Same thing goes with what you're trying to do when you're collecting customers. You want to be talking to the people about things that they are interested in knowing. So again, if it is sales figures figuring out a way how to make it relevant for today, like what do these sales figures mean for me and my investments Mm -hmm. with the recession coming? Because Mm -hmm. that's relevant. But if you're just going to spew numbers at me, I'm going to tune you out because I don't know what they mean. So thinking about how you can deliver customer centric information that still leads back to you. You are the person who's giving it to them. You're providing a way for them to know you and your brand. But again, it's this roundabout way of not talking about yourself as much as it is providing information that's beneficial for the people that you would like to work with. Yep.
0: Awesome. So many good, good nuggets here. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, How, what's the best place for them to find you? How can they find you? So we um we have a website uh oh, an ad agency with a website. I know. I know. Uh, we
2: made up the name Flair. so I'm going to spell it for you but it's www.flairst.com and Flairst is spelled F L A I R S T. Um we are also on Instagram at flairstco.com we're on TikTok which I think is the same thing. Um those links are all on our website. They are all on our website.
1: Yeah. That wants to learn more just about data and interested more in advertising and just women in business. Yep. Um, and inspiration in that way, that's kind of the content that we go after. Cause again, our, our, our community that we are looking to grow overall, our women is women in business and trying to provide value for them.
0: Yep. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you guys so much. And thank you all for tuning in to growing your financial business, the woman with woman's way. We'll see you next time. I actually have the link for the tag challenge, the appointment generator challenge. So instead you can just go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register right now so that you can get five quality appointments in just five days. Now, this is not around you know, you having to talk to friends and family and get all awkward. This is not about you having to spend marketing dollars online or create a whole funnel. This is going to be easy. It's simple. It happens in five days. If I can get you five quality appointments in five days, then you know that you can have the best year of your life because you just need to get in front of more of the right people. We will walk through it together as we do it. So do not miss this. And if... You can, if you're smart, do VIP, spend a few extra bucks and you can actually spend time with me on Zoom where I can connect with you, get to know you and really help you get those quality appointments so that you can grow your business. And um, go ahead again, register at femalefinancialadvisors.com. You'll find it all there. It's happening, coming up very, very soon. So make sure to register, claim your spot, get in on this, get excited about it, block your calendar because you need to spend about an hour to an hour and a half uh, a day with me on the Thursday, Friday Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you can get these results and it does work. The most appointments I think we got in those five days, uh, someone I think was Dana got 33 appointments. So you could be my best student and go well beyond the five quality appointments. Go to 10, go to 15, go to 20 and set your, yourself up for the best year ever. Can't wait to see you at the tag challenge. See you there. Thank you again for listening to Grow Your Financial Business the Woman's Way.